Now, while any form or vestige of slavery is wrong and repugnant, a story is told about Abraham Lincoln who went to the slave block. And when he went there, he noticed a young girl up for auction and he was moved with compassion. And so he purchased her freedom. And when President Lincoln told this disbelieving girl what he had done, she asked this question, what does that mean? To which he replied, well, it means you are free. Does that mean, she said, I can say whatever I want to say? Yes, my dear, you can say whatever you want to say. Well, does that mean I can be whatever I want to be? Yes, you can be whatever you want to be. Well, does that mean I can go wherever I want to go? Yes, you can go wherever you want to go. With tears streaming down her face, the girl responded, Well, then I will go with you. Now, Admittedly, this account is probably more legendary than legitimate, and yet it does communicate an important spiritual truth. If you have been reborn, you have been redeemed, and you are set free to willingly serve the Redeemer. Last weekend, we focused on the word remember, and we were challenged to not ever forget to remember all that God has done for us. Now, after today, Lord willing, there'll be six more weeks of messages in our re-series. We're looking at words that begin with R-E. Here's where we're headed. Reaffirm, repent, return, rebuild, reconcile. And our final message will be on recovery because we celebrate recovery here at Edgewood. Well, today our sermon will be part theology class because we're going to unpack the word redemption. Redemption is a theological concept that is rich in meaning and it has tremendous application to our lives. Here's our main idea to experience redemption. You must first receive the Redeemer Now, as we begin, I'm going to pray the words of Scripture from four verses. I simply looked up the words Redeemer, Redemption, and Ransomed, and then just wrote out these verses, and I'm going to use these verses to pray them back to the Lord. By the way, if you're struggling in your prayer time and you find yourself kind of on a cycle of, Lord, bless me, bless them, amen, pray Scripture back to him. I invite you to join me now. God, would you let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Because in you, we have redemption through your blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of your grace. For you have entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of your own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Because you are worthy to take the scroll and to open the seals. 
For you were slain, and by your blood you have ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. In the mighty name of our Redeemer, we pray. Amen. Well, in the Bible, salvation is described with a variety of terms, uh, sometimes metaphors, other times images, like a multifaceted diamond where you look at it from different angles and under different lights. I want us to look at this glorious truth from different angles and under different light. Let's now look at 10 different theological terms along with brief definitions, and I'm going to invite you to worship as we go through this, because when we're done, you're going to be so glad you came today. Number one, propitiation. That's the satisfaction of God's holiness and his justice by the sacrificial payment of the blood of Christ on the cross. Atonement. That's the act of God by which he reconciles sinful humanity to himself through the substitutionary sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Oh, imputation. This is the act of God whereby our sins are transferred to Christ. And in one sense, that would be enough, but there's more. His righteousness in exchange is transferred to our account, credited to us. Number four, reconciliation, the act by which God makes peace between himself and sinful humanity. Ephesians chapter two says we are enemies of God and all of that is accomplished through the finished work of Christ on the cross. Number five, regeneration. That's the act of God realized by faith alone in Christ alone, whereby he gives new life to the believer. You become someone you never were before. Conversion, that's the turning of a sinner to God, giving new life, forgiveness, purpose, and an assured place in eternity with him. Are you worshiping yet, church? There's more justification the act by which God for Christ's sake declares a guilty sinner righteous in his sight by grace through faith thus satisfying the penalty for sin sanctification The process by which God grows the believer in holiness, breaking the power of sin so that we can grow in Christ-likeness. Glorification. That's God's final removal of the presence of sin. As he transforms believers into the image of Christ in eternity. And then finally, redemption. At its core, to redeem means to buy back, usually by the payment of a ransom. To redeem means to set free by the paying of a price. In Greek, it means to loosen or to be set free from chains, from slavery, slavery or prison. 
It's a covenantal legal term associated closely with each of the other theological terms. Now, the word redemption in its various forms is found some 50 times in the Bible. The concept harkens back to the marketplace where a slave was released from captivity through the payment of a ransom price. The word was also used for the release of prisoners of war. Redemption by payment is strange in our day, but it was clearly understood in Jewish, Greek, and Roman cultures. Redemption is rooted in the Old Testament. Let's start by looking in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 15, verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. And then we go back to Exodus 15, verse 13. You have led in your steadfast love the people whom you have redeemed. You have guided them by your strength to your holy abode. So redemption is the heart and soul of Christianity. One theologian summarized it like this. Redemption is chief among the doctrines of grace, for from it... All the rivers of grace flow. During New Testament times, the Roman Empire had as many as six million slaves, so the buying and selling of them was a major business. And if a person wanted to free someone, he would buy that slave and then grant him freedom, testifying to the deliverance by giving a written receipt or a certificate. Oh, I can't wait to read Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. This is what happened when Jesus died in our place. By canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Oh, the Holman treasury of key Bible words provides this insight. Two cognate words in the New Testament, lutrosis and apolotrosis, are both typically translated redemption in various versions. Lutrosis indicates the act of freeing or releasing by paying a ransom price. Apolotrosis indicates the act of buying back by paying a ransom price. Christ paid the ransom price with his own blood and thus freed us from the demands of the law its curse on sin so that you and I can become children of God Fanny Crosby prolific songwriter known for her many hymns one of the themes she just kept coming back to was the theme of redemption to God be the glory, she wrote these words to that song. Perfect redemption, the purchase of blood to every believer, the promise of God, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus a pardon receives. 
Now, you'll want to stick around to the end of the service today. Now, I can tell when you leave early, by the way. Don't, you don't want to do that today. Let me tell you why. Because Pastor Ed and Pastor Tim are going to close our service by singing another song by Fanny Crosby called Redeemed. I'm going to invite you to take your Bible and open it up or turn your mobile device uh, to Colossians, the book of Colossians. The Apostle Paul had never been to the city of Colossae, but word came to him that these new believers in this new church had been infiltrated by false teachers. In essence, these false teachers were telling these new Christians that Christ was not enough and that Christians were inadequate. So as a result, Paul preached the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Read Colossians chapter 1. And he preached and taught the high position of the Christ follower. Colossians 1 verses 13 and 14 has been called one of the most important and profound sentences of the entire Bible. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Now to help us see how we are redeemed by Christ, let's focus on four indispensable ingredients to our identity in Christ. Number one, we've been rescued from Satan. Uh, Notice the first part of verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness. At the exact moment you receive Christ, you are immediately delivered from the domain of darkness. That word deliverance is emphatic. It was used of snatching someone away from imminent danger and harm. It literally means to drag away. Like what we see in war films when somebody is injured. And the fellow soldier takes this injured soldier and pulls him back, pulls him back from danger, him or her back to safety. The domain of darkness refers to the sphere of Satan. Listen, apart from Christ, everyone is under the authority of the evil one and in bondage to sin. Proverbs chapter 5, verse 22, the iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. Some of you are like, yeah, I get that. Jesus said in John 8, 34, everyone who practices sin is what? A slave to sin. 1 John 5, 19, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. Friends, settle this truth. There are only two possible realms to reside in. And at this very moment, you are either in the domain of darkness and under the dominion of the deceiver, or you have been transferred into the kingdom of the beloved son and you are under his reign and rule. You are lost 
or you are saved. You are unforgiven or you are forgiven. You are at war with God or you've been reconciled to him. You are in the dark or you're living in the light. You are on the narrow road to heaven or you are on the wide highway to hell. There is no middle ground. And some of you are trying to live in that middle. There is no middle. If you're not in the light, the Bible says you are in darkness. Psalm 86, 13 tells us God rescues us because of his love for us. For great is your steadfast love toward me. You have delivered my soul from the depths of Sheol. Friend, to experience redemption, you must first receive the Redeemer. Number two, we've been reestablished to serve. So we've been removed from one realm and we've been repositioned into another. We've been rescued from Satan and reestablished to serve the Savior. We see this in the last part of verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. That word transferred was used to describe a change of place or a change of condition. In the ancient world, when one nation came and invaded another nation, the defeated nation was often carried back to the nation that had won. Well, if you read the Old Testament, that happened when Babylon came into Jerusalem and attacked Judah, wiped out the temple, and took people back with them as exiles. We, we were in the book of Daniel several weeks ago. Daniel was in exile, but thousands of others were, and Judah lived in exile for some 70 years But listen, when God sets prisoners free, it's always for the purpose of bringing them into his own kingdom. Isaiah 43.1, fear not. Why? For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. That phrase, beloved son, literally means the son of his love. That goes back to the baptism of Jesus. When we read the father declaring in Mark 1.11, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. Or on the Mount of Transfiguration in Mark 9.7, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Interestingly, we go from slavery to sin to slavery to the Savior. See, it's not just that we receive forgiveness and he rescues us out of the domain of darkness and we just get to live however we want. No, that's not how it works. Listen to Romans 6, 18. And having been set free from sin, have become slaves of righteousness. You will either serve Satan or the Savior. As that song goes, you got to serve somebody. So to experience redemption, you must receive the Redeemer. We've been rescued from Satan, and we've been reestablished to serve. This third indispensable ingredient of our identity in Christ is this. We have been redeemed by the Savior. I'm in verse 14 now. In whom we have redemption. Notice that key phrase, in whom we have redemption. 
It's not because we deserve it. We don't get it through our own merits, no matter how committed we might be. That phrase, in whom, reminds me of the phrase, in Christ. That phrase is used over 160 times in the New Testament. It's only in him, by him, because of him, through him, and for him. As the reformers would say, soli deo gloria to the glory of God alone. That phrase we have is in the present tense, meaning if you know Christ through the new birth, redemption is your current and continuous possession because in Christ we are once and for all liberated from bondage. Do you believe that, church? Some of you might be like, yeah, okay, I, yeah, that's what you're saying, but that, I, I don't feel that. Listen, it's not a feel thing. This is something that happened in the courts of heaven when you were redeemed. Hebrews 9, 11, and 12. Check out this incredible passage. But when Christ appeared, he entered once for all into the holy places not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Oh, our redemption is not just for now. It's for eternity. And our redemption is not just for eternity, it's for right now. If you've been reborn, your redemption is effective and it's permanent because the transaction is complete. And no one can purchase you away from the one who bought you at the infinite cost of the blood of the Lamb. The Bible teaches that once you are saved, you are eternally secure in your salvation. One of the verses that we help new believers learn to memorize through our intentional discipleship focus is 1 John 5, 11, and 12. Uh, let me read it. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. And I like to add verse 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. So he's saying, Christian, I want you to know this, that you may know that you have eternal life. Friends, Jesus has fully paid the price of ransom. He has satisfied the demands of a holy and righteous God. And according to Mark 10, 45, that's why Christ came. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, comma, and to give his life as a what? A ransom, as payment. Jesus served the needs of others and he demonstrated the ultimate act of servanthood when he gave his life as payment for every one of your sins. Jesus did that. That's the song puts it like this. He paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. Now, thankfully, we no longer have slavery in our country. Oh, we have prejudice and 
Some of us struggle with looking at different races and remembering that everyone is made in the image of God. But we no longer have slavery in our country. Or do we? It's actually called human trafficking. And it takes place right here in this community and in communities all over the globe. One of our Go Team partners, many of you know, Manuel and Kim Contreras. Kim grew up here at Edgewood. Her maiden name was Taylor. Uh, They minister in the city of Fresno, California, and Kim reaches out to women who've been trafficked. We've sent several teams out to serve alongside them over the last several years. About five years ago, I had the privilege of being out there and visiting them. What Kim doesn't tell people is that several years ago, Kim received the Woman of the Year Award for Fresno, California. She's doing all she can to free women from this modern-day slavery. I reached out to Kim this week, and I learned that they will soon have a second apartment available to help women take courageous steps to follow Jesus Christ. Listen, when you give each week, 12, 13% of what you give goes to our Go Team partners who are making tremendous ministry impact all over the globe. Look at this. Since COVID started, the women are staying with them in now these two apartments for four to six months instead of the 10 to 12 days before COVID which is now giving them the opportunity over several months to build relationships and point women to Jesus, the Redeemer. Earlier this year, they had the privilege of training 87 ministry leaders in Jesus-focused training globally and locally in the Fresno area. Recently, they were able to train someone who's reaching out to members of the Taiwanese church located in Laguna Hills, which endured a shooting in that church earlier this month. See, Kim is doing all she can to help these women understand their spiritual redemption and their physical redemption. Friends, Jesus gave his life voluntarily and vicariously, meaning what he did was for us instead of us and in our place. 1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a what? Say it with me, as a ransom for all. (laughs) He paid the price, and we're set free. We give him our rottenness, and in exchange, he gives us his righteousness. Well, that's the great exchange. And if you're born again, that has happened to you. Do you remember when Jesus died? One of the seven sayings from the cross was this. It is finished. Tetelestai. That's an accounting term. It means the price has been 
paid. The debt is forgiven. The Puritan Thomas Watson had some tremendous insight when he wrote these words. Great was the work of creation, but greater the work of redemption. It costs more to redeem us than to make us. In the one, there was but the speaking of a word. In the other, there was shedding of blood. Creation was but the work of God's fingers. Redemption is the work of his arm. I'm reminded of the young boy who wanted a wooden boat that he could float in the river. His family did not have much money, and so he worked all summer to buy the materials, and then he built this boat by hand. When it was finished, he made the sails, and he painted the boat with great precision. Finally, the day came for him to sail his boat. He went down to the river to see if it would sail. The boy was thrilled. He was delighted as he watched his boat accomplish what he had designed it to do. Until a strong wind began to blow and the current got stronger. The string that he had used to attach the boat snapped. The boat was carried away from its maker. The boy was devastated. A few days later, he was out walking and he walked past a small shop and he looked in the window and he saw the boat that he had made. It looked very much like his, so he ran inside. He examined it for a few moments. He realized it was, in fact, his boat. He found the store owner, and he said, Sir, this is my boat. I made it myself, but it was lost from me. The owner told the boy if he wanted the boat, he'd have to buy it. The boy left, and for several weeks, he worked morning and night until he had enough money. He went back to that store owner, And he said, I want to buy my boat back. And after receiving his boat, the boy held it in his hands and he said these words, now you are doubly mine. First I created you and now I have purchased you. You are doubly mine. Friends, that beautifully depicts what Christ has done for us. He created us and he was delighted as we fulfilled what he designed us to do. It didn't take long, though, until we were swept away by the current of sin and captured by another owner. And then the Redeemer came for us and purchased us back with his own blood. And now we are doubly his. Before his conversion, Martin Luther was tormented by his sin. I mean, he taught theology. He was an Augustinian monk. He tried to live a holy life, but he couldn't get away from his unholy heart. He was tormented and just filled with guilt and shame. He didn't know how to get rid of it. And then through his study of the Bible, Luther discovered that God made sinners right justification by faith in Jesus Christ alone and not by works prescribed by the church. God's righteousness is a promise freely given to sinners. He has redeemed us through the purchase price of his blood. That certainty freed Martin Luther from his guilt, but it also set him free from the practice 
of penance. Now, to reflect that newfound freedom, Martin changed the spelling of his sir name. So when he was growing up, his last name was spelled L-U-D-E-R, Luder. He changed it to Luther. To reflect the Latin name, a Lutheris, which is a cognate of the Greek word Eleutheros, which means free. I mean, this is how he signed his name. Martin the Free. Every time he signed his name, he was reminded of his redemption from sin. Oh, let's personalize this. Allow me to rename some of you today. Lisa the Free. Chuck the Free. Tyler the Free. Mary the Free. Scott the Free. Whatever your name is. If you know Jesus Christ, you have been freed by the purchase price paid by the blood of Jesus Christ. So to experience redemption, you must receive the Redeemer. If you're born again through faith in Christ alone, you can say these words. I've been rescued from Satan. I've been reestablished to serve and I've been redeemed by the Savior and now I am free. (laughs) Oh, there's one final ingredient of our identity found in this passage. Number four, we've been released from our sins. We read that last phrase, the forgiveness of sins. To to forgive has the idea of releasing, sending away, removal. You and I are released from the power of sin and from the penalty for having sin. Listen, some of you don't believe that. You're like, if you only knew what I did, if you only knew how I'm living. And some of us think we have not and we cannot be forgiven. I have three verses I'd love for you to write down these references. And memorize these. Put them on a note. Psalm 103 verse 12. As far as the east is from the west. So far does he remove our transgressions from us. You feel like you're disqualified because of your disobedience? Listen to what Jesus said in Luke 7 47. Therefore I tell you her sins which are many are what? Forgiven. We sang about that today. Our sins are many. His mercy is more. Maybe you're feeling condemned and burdened by false guilt and incessant shame. If so, commit Romans 8 verse 1 to memory. There is therefore now no condemnation For those who are in Christ Jesus, church, that is good news. Here's what we've learned. If you are in Christ, you have been rescued, you've been reestablished to serve, you've been redeemed by the Savior, and you're released of your sins. There are so many redemption stories right here in our church. There's redemption stories because God is always at work redeeming. One of the most powerful redemption stories that I've heard is how God saved Christopher Yuan 
out of a life of homosexuality and drugs. Through the faithful prayers of his mother, who prayed and fasted for seven years while Christopher was in prison. He was redeemed when he received the Redeemer when he was in prison. Now, I want us to remember this story because we are all up in a culture in what is commonly referred to as Pride Month. Listen, it's good for us to be reminded how the Redeemer can redeem anyone who humbly receives him by faith. And Jesus Christ can change any sinner and redeem him for his glory. Check this out. Christopher now teaches at Moody Bible Institute. He is a speaker at Summit which is where our students are headed this weekend for two weeks of apologetics training. Now, I can tell from looking at some of your faces, you're like, "Uh, did you just go there today? Yeah, I did, because you need to hear that Jesus Christ can free anyone from their sins. And some of you, some of you have a family member or a friend, and you're like, he or she's a nice person. And I, I, listen, don't ever forget that we're all sinners. And Jesus Christ came to redeem. Now, some of you are like, man, I need some hope in this area. And maybe you're struggling with same-sex attraction yourself. Or maybe you know someone who is. Let me recommend two books to you. The first one is this. Out of a far country, a gay son's journey to God, a broken mother's search for hope is written by Christopher and his mother. And secondly, a second book, Holy Sexuality in the Gospel by Christopher you on. You can get to both of those from your mobile app. Just go to Sermon Extras. Those are hyperlinks. It'll take you right to a place where you can purchase the book or you can do that on the website. Let me just add something else, and it's always dangerous to add something that's not in my notes. <laughs> so I want to be careful how I say this, but I want to say it. This last week, a well-known Christian publisher made a post highlighting Gay Pride Month and recommending resources to read with all the colors of the rainbow on this Christian publishing site. Friends, listen, you got to settle. What does the Bible say about sexuality? And you have to settle that Jesus Christ can forgive anyone and not just capitulate to what our culture says. And I hope you hear my heart on that. I'm not, I'm not trying to slam anybody. What I'm hoping to do is to reinforce among us as Christians that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and he can free anyone. Friends, to experience redemption, you must receive the Redeemer. Now, because slaves to sin have become saints who serve, let's put our position into practice so we don't just go, okay, now I know a little bit about redemption. What are some ways we can flesh this out? Let me suggest six, and maybe a couple of these will have traction with you. Number one, tell others how God has redeemed you. It's time, Christian, to stand up and speak out and let people know. Psalm 107, 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. 
Stop being quiet about your faith in Jesus. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so whom he has redeemed from trouble. The second one's a little harder. Live a pure life. You see, because Jesus paid for us, we now belong to him. Which means your body It's not your body. Ooh, that's countercultural, right? We hear people say it's your choice, it's your body. Listen, it's his body. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Number three, be involved in serving. You have been saved to serve. Titus 2.14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. Listen to this last part. Who are zealous for good works. So if you've been redeemed, you should be zealous to serve him. Number four, live without fear. Once you're redeemed, you can live without fear. Isaiah 43, 1, thus says the Lord who's created you, he who formed you, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name, you are mine. Number five, sing songs about the Redeemer. Isaiah 52, 9, break forth together into singing. You waste places of Jerusalem for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. And number six, receive the redeemer and be redeemed. The middle of the book of Job, we hear these words. Chapter 19, verse 25, Job says, for I know that my redeemer lives. And at the last, he will stand upon the earth. You can have that same certainty today. That word no refers to an intimate knowledge which comes from entering a relationship. Job could say, my redeemer, not just the redeemer, my redeemer, because he personally trusted in God's redemption. Almost 200 years ago, a man named George Wilson was sentenced to die by hanging after he killed a guard after robbing a federal payroll. President Andrew Jackson felt gracious and merciful, so he decided to pardon George Wilson. (laughs) Unbelievably, Wilson refused to accept the pardon. The case became so legally confusing, the Supreme Court had to give a ruling. Chief Justice John Marshall delivered this verdict, and I quote, A pardon is a parchment whose only value must be determined by the receiver of the pardon. It has no value apart from that which the receiver gives it. George Wilson has refused to accept the pardon. We cannot conceive why he would do so, but he has. Therefore, George Wilson must die. Listen, if you're ready to repent and personally receive your pardon from the Redeemer, would you bow your head and close your eyes and allow me to lead in a prayer? You could pray this silently. God Almighty, I confess that I'm a sinner 
I've just been up in my own stuff, living for my own ways, my own pleasure. But I repent. I turn from how I've been living, and I personally receive the free gift of redemption from your son who suffered and died in my place, shedding his blood on the cross and was raised from the dead on the third day. Lord, I want to experience redemption, so I now receive you as my redeemer. Forgive me for my sins. Make me into the person you want me to be. I surrender now to your sweet sovereignty as my creator and my redeemer for the rest of my life, for you are God, and I am not. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.